Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with Kevin Leonard. Kevin is the executive director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners. He uh, uh, has been in that role. How long have you been? Since June of 2009, something like that? Um, I've been with the association since June, yep, about a, a little over 10 years. I've been the executive director since 2014. Well, and they said you couldn't keep a job. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. I don't. I don't. I keep fooling them. I'm not sure how they keep letting me do this. It's the best job in the world. Well, it is. It is a great job in North Carolina, of course, uh, uh, because of its uh, its its uh, interesting set of uh, challenges and opportunities. is a great state. It's a state of choice, and uh, we have many counties that are growing like leaps and bounds in in the good economy and others that are either stagnant or losing. And so that presents a challenge for you as you advise your county commissioners on how to operate. I guess we have about, what, 35 or 40 counties that are prosperous and about 60 counties that may even be losing population or certainly stagnant. So that's uh, challenging. It, it is. Um, you know, it, we have a saying here at the association, if you've been to one county, you've been to one county. Uh, they're all, they're all different. They're all wonderful. Um, they each do present their own challenges. You know, I, uh, an anecdotal story. I had the opportunity to attend a board meeting a year or more ago. I think it was in Currituck County and I attended their board meeting and they were having a debate about a part of their County that you can only access by driving on the beach. And so it was, and, and they were having trouble with, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate around horses and beachgoers. And so uh, you, you're, you've got one county who's dealing with that, and then you have a, a mountain county who's dealing with rock slides and closing their main arteries and shutting one half of the county off from the other. So it does. It presents unique challenges, and, and you reference the economic challenges. Um, and and that is, that is, it, is, it is a tough thing to do for these local leaders, but they do it because they love their county. They love where they're from and they love their neighborhoods and they want to make, they all want to make them better. So um, it's, it's a real joy to work for, for our county commissioners and our county leaders around the state. Well, of course, the county commissioners also dole out the money to the boards of education to run the school systems. And of course, that puts them in a position to participate in those decisions. And right now, one of the main decisions is when the schools K through 12 resume their activities and how, and what are the things you're hearing in that regard? Well, the, uh, the state legislature has the main uh, thrust of when to start schools. And it's, it's actually been a rather contentious debate over the past several years about the school calendar. Um, you've got uh, different elements at play um, about when to start the, the school year. This is in a, in a regular setting without a pandemic. Uh, and that has to do with a lot of conversations around travel and tourism, trying to preserve the summer for folks who, who uh, you know, are, are in the travel and tourism industry and not starting school too soon or too early because they don't want it to interrupt the, the, the tourism and travel uh, calendars. And so that's a constant debate that's uh, that, that's been going on. Now, it's very complex and it's complicated because of the COVID-19 pandemic issue and, and basically school's been out um, since March. Um, again, we, we should talk about broadband in a second and how that relates to that, but um, for this subject matter, the state legislature came in and, and, and 
basically a special session to talk about a lot of things related to the pandemic. One of the things was the school calendar issue, and they've given a little bit more latitude uh, for the start date in August, uh, this coming August, so that they can figure out how to come back into the schools uh, most effectively and safe and safely. Um, I think school systems right now are still, as of May, trying to grapple with how they're going to do that and whether they're going to have sort of a rotation basis on bringing kids in, um, you know, on different days or whether they're going to have to space them out. Uh, on, in my mind, I think it's actually going to cause a school construction debate because if you're going to have to and they're going to require more space for a limited number of kids in each classroom because of the pandemic, well, you're going to have to build on to schools or some figure some other uh, unique way out of, of working on uh, giving enough space for kids to be in. So it's going to be complex. I don't think there's a clear answer right now, but they're going to be, ha they're going to have to work on that over the summer. And then you add into that, the, uh, the questions about uh, high school athletics, because that's a very, a very important part of the social life of, especially the smaller counties. Uh, they, Friday night football is huge, and uh, uh, the very uh, idea of not having a football season is uh, is one that uh, is really, really strange and difficult to uh, to imagine. Uh, so you've got that to, to throw into the mix as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's just amazing how you know this pandemic has touched every part of I think everyone's life, and it's really. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how we proceed forward, you know, coming back into, um, into what a new normal uh, may be. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, for sure. Do you think that long range, this may actually, uh, again, uh, enable us to consider uh, a situation where more and more courses are taught online and, uh, um, and that may ease the requirement somewhat for classrooms in some circumstances. I, um, from a planning perspective on building schools, which our counties again are responsible for, and it's a constant thing on my mind and on our mind about building schools, I would say that I hope so. That said, in our number one legislative priority, as I've mentioned on your show before uh, in this biennium is broadband access and building digital infrastructure. Counties seek to have the law changed that would allow counties to help build infrastructure to provide that infrastructure to the private sector so they can light it up and get uh, high-speed internet out into parts of our counties that do not have it. You know, we're, we're, a little, we're a little different from a county perspective. We're different in the aspect of we have counties that just don't have it meaning they don't have digital infrastructure. They don't have broadband connectivity. And uh, state leaders have been pointing it out to, in talking with us and into the media that, that there is a bright light shining on this issue right now that we've got to resolve. Because if the state government is going to basically say that kids have to go home and learn, and then they don't have access to the internet to do so, that's a problem. That's a policy problem. And um, we county governments, as I said, we, we're the local arm of the state government. We know where there is internet connectivity and where there is not. We don't need a map from the FCC to show us whether we have it or not. We know because we live there. And, and so 
we need the General Assembly to take um, um, to take action and give counties the ability to build infrastructure um, like towers and putting fiber in the ground into areas that desperately need it and then we can um, we can help do that and as an ancillary benefit you referenced it earlier Don an ancillary benefit is that that's going to help spur commerce that's going to help uh, make small businesses thrive and run out in some of these smaller counties that have some of the most difficult challenges of trying to get people out there, businesses and, and otherwise. So we've got to work on this issue and we've got to do it together with the, with the state. Another sort of side benefit of, of this downturn will be the fact that I think we know that we can count on low interest rates, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, and that may help in some bond referendums, and that might indeed uh, keep the infrastructure picture moving forward and put people back to work. So there, there are some uh, folks who will be advocating, I imagine, for some bond issues. So Speaker Moore uh, yesterday at our County Assembly Day, which again was virtual, um, he advocated for that uh, to our commissioners. And Speaker Tim Moore from Cleveland, uh, have, has been on record before, and the House passed um, a bond proposal, a $2 billion bond proposal on school construction. Yesterday, he talked about a bond proposal that would not only include school construction, but it would include uh, transportation. And uh, I know there's a lot of transportation needs in North Carolina. That's not something our counties really involve themselves in, in transportation issues. Uh, but I know that for the good of commerce and the good of North Carolina, it's a, something that we should uh, all, you know, uh, take a close look at. Um, I would say also that we would advocate and be in favor of uh, using some of those school construction dollars for uh, digital infrastructure for schools uh, across the state. So that if the uh, General Assembly were to take action and pass uh, counties having the authority to build infrastructure, and then being able to use some of those bonds, the bond dollars to help build that infrastructure. That again, we're not, we counties do not want to be a service provider. We don't want to be a cable guy or we don't want to be uh, the, the industry. We just want to help build the infrastructure, basically the pipes uh, to get the, the, the information and the digital uh, the, the digital infrastructure there so that they can they can utilize it for their networks. That's how we're going to help uh, turn, uh, make the turn on this and make progress on this. So yeah, those two things together would be great. Uh, legislation uh, allowing counties to build infrastructure and some type of bond proposal would be great because there's not, as the speaker said, money is really cheap right now in borrowing and we should take advantage of that as a state, especially with our AAA bond rates. Well, that, uh, that, and it appears that the interest rates will be low for some time. And also probably things like buying right away and things of this nature also during any kind of a slowdown uh, become um, problematic that they would also be a, bar a bargain or a better buy than when the times are booming. So all of it points to the possibility that uh, that may be one of the ways that we get people back to work and, uh, also uh, solve some long-range problems at the same time. Our guest is Kevin Leonard. He's the Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners, and we'll be back with one final segment here on Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. Not completing high school is more of a social thing. 
that it was an academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was gonna do it, but I definitely didn't do it alone. At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma. I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. She just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. And you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Kevin Leonard. He's the executive director of the North Carolina County uh, Association of County Commissioners. And uh, that's an organization that represents all 100 counties in the state of North Carolina. Uh, advising them on how to have efficient county government. Uh, we have uh, invited Kevin because of the situation that we're in and how it will affect those counties and, and the choices that they're going to have to make. I would remind the listeners this program comes in two forms. A number of stations carry a half-hour version of the program, which leaves out two of the segments. So if you are listening to one of those stations and would like to hear uh, some uh, more uh, of the words of wisdom and the pearls from uh, Kevin Leonard, then you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and you will have those two segments that you missed. And if you'd like to share the entire broadcast or hear it again, you can also do that as well. That's carolinanewsmakers.com. Well, uh, Kevin, let's, let's just kind of go over the situation again. Uh, revenues are going to be down. Expenses may actually... Uh, well, they, they may be cut, but in many ways, uh, there are going to be some demands of uh, providing some services that are not currently being provided. And so somehow or another, the county commissioners are going to have to solve that problem because in North Carolina, we do have a balanced budget requirement. Yes, we do. At the county level, we're required to balance our budget and submit a balanced budget. That, that is correct. Well, first of all, Don, uh, I just want to say again, thanks for having, having us on the call. And, and uh, I did want to say that uh, that might be the first time someone said I had words of wisdom or pearls of wisdom. So I, I just appreciate you saying that. Um, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't say this, um, I may have said it earlier, but I'd like to say it again. And that is that, you know, county governments are on the front lines of this pandemic and the folks who work in county government are you, many of our, um, many of your listeners, if, uh, may think of county governments uh, on the front lines of the pandemic as the folks who work in the public health departments, or they may uh, think of them as the EMS first responders or uh, public safety, like your sheriff's deputies. These are people who are basically, they, they cannot turn away. If they have an emergency response 
call, they've got to go in and if they know that there's COVID-19 exposure possibilities, they're trying to protect themselves as much as they can with uh, PPE and all that uh, protective equipment. So those are, those are some of those local government heroes that you're, you know, that you hear about in the news. They're, they're on the job uh, 24 seven and those are your county government employees. But a lot of people don't think about some of the other critical services that counties provide, um, like your water systems, uh, your infrastructure systems, your solid waste systems that are, are operated by county governments across the state. Things that we take for granted on a daily basis that just make regular life run. That's what counties do on a daily basis. And, and so they're, they're, they're in your county. If you're listening, you, in North Carolina, you, you live in a county. And uh, they're making the general operations of government run within your county. And again, we mostly take those things for granted uh, every day. And, and we are going to probably uh, see revenue losses in the 20% to 40% range. And uh, I know our county governments and our county leaders are very concerned about that. That's why we're hopeful that the federal government and the state governments will help with uh, additional assistance and flexibility with funds coming from the federal government to help support those things so we can avoid cuts and avoid layoffs uh, just like uh, others are having to do as well. Well, as uh, you mentioned earlier, you've got two principal uh, sources of funds, property tax and sales tax. And of course, in any slowdown in the economy, retail sales and uh, go down dramatically. And so therefore your tax revenue is going to be down. What percentage of uh, the average budget, uh, if there is such a thing, uh, uh, does the sales tax portion of the revenue count account for? Oh, Don, um, I'm trying to remember that number off the top of my head. I don't have an exact number for you, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's a significant amount of, of, of dollars coming into the, to the to the um, to the county budget, I'll, I'll have to follow back up with you and get you that number. But it, it's uh, uh, I hate to venture a guess, but it's a pretty significant part, a majority of of the uh, of the county uh, budget. And of course, uh, you also mentioned the fact that there may be some delayed reaction to the uh, property tax situation because if people are out of jobs, in many cases, they may not be able to pay their property tax, and property tax values may go down. And I mean, it, it's a complicated picture. It is. It's very complex. Just the balance of uh, making sure that the revenue streams are coming in as as uh, as they normally would, and normal is you know again in the eye of the beholder what normal is. But um, yeah, just to recap a little bit. So the sales tax generated at the local level is sent to the state, and then will lag behind about three months. So the county government will see the results of the the down economy, especially in April probably in the July, August timeframe. And so um, that's going to, that's when that will hit. And then later on, about six months um, later, I would say we're going to see some impacts on the property tax because people who have lost their jobs, people who find themselves in financial straits, they will have a challenge to, uh, you know, pay their property, pay their bills and things like that. So we're going to have to uh, really see how that's going to impact our budgets. By the way, I uh, had a chance to get an answer on that other question. Sales tax equates in an average around 20% for, um, for a county's budget. So that's a pretty big chunk of money uh, when you're talking about uh, a, a county budget. So 20, around you know, 15 to 20%. 
how much more money because you know the, the state keeps talking about uh, increasing testing and that falls back on the hospitals some of which uh, counties have that burden as well hospitals i mean we didn't mention that uh, that's yeah. not as big a factor as it used to be but it, uh, it it's still a big it's factor. not there are several counties that still operate their own hospitals, uh, but it is, it's few and far between these days. But yeah, that has been, and mostly in rural parts of the state and rural hospitals um, are, are having their own struggles right now, yeah. uh, financially speaking. And uh, in fact, there was, a, there was a significant pot of money that was approved by the General Assembly out of this COVID response uh, for rural hospitals. So that's gonna help them remain afloat, but uh, there is concern about the long-term um, viability of some of those rural hospitals, which of course is not good for our rural communities because uh, that's going to impact uh, health. And then you, then you have a question about telehealth. Can telehealth step in and bridge that gap? But you can't do telehealth if you don't have broadband connectivity. And so it's all this vicious cycle of, of things we, we, and challenges we all need to be working on. How much uh, additional burden is going to fall back on the counties with regard to testing? Because everybody keeps mentioning that testing is one of the key ingredients uh, to uh, controlling this situation. Yeah, so there's a lot of talk about this subject matter right now, especially from the state um, and, of course, from the federal government as well. Uh, I think in a fortunate uh, way, we're seeing increased funding for testing through the and coming to the public health departments. So there's, and there's also um, uh, conversations and, and, and talk going on about outside private testing. Uh, North Carolina, uh, as you may have seen in the news, uh, is home to LabCorp, and that's a very positive thing. We got LabCorp in North Carolina who has ramped up their testing. Uh, but I think that that's going to become a norm, uh, the testing, which will provide, uh, uh, which will produce more pressure on counties to do more testing for therefore more revenue needed to support the expenditure. Uh, again, funding coming in from the state right now, but in a long-term capacity until they uh, are able to come up with a vaccine, uh, we, I think testing will become the normal way of life until we reach that point. Well, that's certainly uh, uh, something that uh, the point is well being uh, driven home by both uh, federal and state uh, uh, health directors. Well, Kevin, our time is gone. We appreciate you sharing these thoughts with us, and we look forward to having you back with us again. Uh, if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, or if you'd like to hear the two segments you missed, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. The program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another guest for us next week. The next week, have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Carolina Newsmakers.